Welcome to Minority, a podcast discussing different minority experiences in the UK and beyond. As a disclaimer, we may discuss some difficult topics as we are reflecting on our own personal experiences and views. We are always open to learn more, so if you'd like, please send us any resources you may feel would benefit us. And if you haven't already, please follow us on Instagram at Minority Podcast. Hi everyone, welcome back. This week I'm here with my two friends from the University of Edinburgh, Isha and Enid. So if you guys like, would like to introduce yourself. Hi, uh, I'm Isha. Isha is from India. I'm Enid, I'm from Tanzania and I also go to the University of Edinburgh. So I thought we could start by talking about how we met. We met, we met during Freshers Week. Like the partying thing kind of got us together but also because we met and we just kind of didn't have to try that much. I think that was a big thing for me personally because when I first moved there I think groups of people were very cliquey. I mean I knew people, I was friends with people but I never kind of felt like like they were my people. I feel like it was very much a thing where we all more or less had similar background. I just haven't spent the entirety of my life in one place. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to like like undermine what people who live in the same city have, like their experiences. But I I don't know, maybe it's the people I met or it's the way it's the way I think, but I felt like people who were who lived in one place, I think they have a more constricted view on things. Um not on everything, just yeah. Yeah, I think I feel like people who live in multiple places or have experienced different cultures are more open as in to accept things. But I'm not trying to generalize. There can be people who have lived in the same place and are like that. I mean, I've lived in the same place my whole life and I don't think I have a constricted view. Why did you think you couldn't connect with them? Is it because maybe they reminded you of ignorant people you'd met in the past? And could you maybe give some examples of racism that you'd faced in the past as well, growing up? I feel like I'm kind of privileged. I mean, of course, I'm. maybe I haven't faced as much racism as other people because I've went to international schools. I have faced racism in international schools, but I don't think, I mean, it's as extreme as other people's situation. I mean, it's a very difficult conversation to have. Like, you give your examples and then try to explain it to people that it was hard. I think that really relates well with them with what's going on right now. Obviously, a lot of people of color and especially black people, so I'm sure you Enid can talk on this, are having to have these difficult conversations and try and explain racism to people who'd never really thought about it before. Yeah, it's very different for people because it's like you're now just learning about issues, but I've lived this my entire life like this this is my reality. It's good that, I mean, it's not good, but it's like, it's a privilege in its own for you to learn it, but not experience it and not live it as your whole life. I From a very young age, like you're taught, at least coming from a black background that, you know, you need to work twice as hard. Like when I was younger, I never understood it. I never understood the statement. I never got it because, you know, when you're in international school, you more or less I guess, at least for me, I just felt like everyone was similar. It was the same thing. But 
when you're older, you now really understand just how heavy that statement is and how true it is. It's quite hard to explain racist experiences or racism to people who don't really understand it because it's like when you give an example of something that's happened to you at least the first answer from such people is like are you sure that was racism or are you sure you're not exaggerating how can I make this you know a way that you can understand that this was racism yeah if you've never experienced you'd never know and in the UK it's a lot of microaggressions that are so subtle that you only realize after facing a lot of them. Sometimes it takes years to un- to actually understand that, oh, wow, what happened was actually, that was, that was not okay. Mm-hmm. Especially at school for me. Mm-hmm. I kind of would just laugh along and, you know, when people tell me I'd eat dog, I'd just be like, yeah, haha, it's just a joke. But who are these other kids who say that to me? I mean, you don't want to seem as a person who can't take a joke, but there is a limit to like what you can say and who is saying it to you. Even then, there there should be. It's just respect, I guess. Even in friendship, like you know when you can say something when it's a joke. Sometimes it's overboard. It's just it's not okay. Yeah, and Enid, I don't think I ever make jokes to you. I might be Nisha because I'm part Indian, but definitely not to you because I have no feet to stand on I've made some but not like too aggressive ones if that makes sense like you know what I mean like I mean it, I think we all know where the line is in a way because we have been through a lot of people don't understand where the line is I mean it's okay and if they're open to get, being educated about that then it's okay I remember when, when I moved to Geneva moved to a new school for the first time I was in class it was like end of the day and like it's so funny because you remember these incidences like I don't remember a lot of things but I do remember when you know someone's made a comment or something to do with race racism I remember um since you know you're new you have to introduce yourself so I was like oh yeah I'm from Tanzania whatever everyone associates Tanzania East Africa in general with the Lion King so I remember this one boy to give context or whatever he he's white I remember he came up to me and he's like, oh, is your dad's name Mufasa? At the time, like, obviously I was very confused as to why someone would even say this or would even make a comment. But I, I get it. People were laughing, whatever. Why was that funny? Did you ask him if his dad's name was Steve? <laughs> I never understood why that was funny. You know? Like, why would you just assume that my dad's name was Mufasa just because... Honestly, when you reverse it, you realize it's just not funny. In terms of us being friends, it's not like we ever were like, yeah, we're friends because we're not white. It was just conversations we had. We could talk about our own cultures and we could see similarities between them. I also feel like it was more of a safe space to just talk about, you know, things, all these experiences. For sure, because some of my very close friends in high school, for example, like when, okay, this is, this is a very weird story, but so basically we were, we went out and um, I went into Starbucks to go get like a red velvet cake. I go in and I ask the person, can I have that? 
and then they go like oh it's on display like we are not gonna sell that one and so I was just like okay okay but like it's the end of the day like they were literally gonna shut down I'm like just give it to me and you guys know me I like started and then he was basically like, we can't I'm sorry blah, blah blah and so I leave and because I'm so I'm just angry so I get out and I just tell one of my friends because they were standing outside and she's white. And I told her, I was like, can you just go in and ask for that white velvet cake and just see if he gives it to you? I don't know. For some reason, like, you know, I could just sense it. And she goes in and she comes out with that cake. See, if you hadn't told your friends to go in, then you would have gone, you would have said, oh, they were racist. People would have been like, how do you know it was racism? But at least now you can prove it exactly i was just gonna bring that up someone could literally say like oh how do you know that that was racism maybe you you know talk to them in some funny tone it's a feeling you get a feeling that's the thing like i kind of just understood i was just in shock and more than that like more than like screaming i just got so upset like after that i was just like i literally need to go home i have faced you face things like that but you start seeing things so clear and to be honest when i first moved to luxembourg I couldn't see it then and it was happening too. Yeah. No, I definitely I definitely agree with what you said about the whole this just making you upset because whenever a situation about race or something like that happens, it's just like it just it takes a good chunk of your day just you sitting there and just being sad about it and it's exhausting. And it's just it's sad how frequently this happens and it's just you have to pick yourself up again. Do this again. Go like it's just it's sad that you know it's part of your day, you know? Well, there's other people out there like this is you never experience it ever like wow, bliss, I guess. Like these shouldn't even like be like the main reason like it breaks my heart is because these are things someone cannot change. You cannot change the way you look. Like, you, I cannot change the color of my skin. You can become, like, thinner, okay? You can become, you know, anything. But you can't become, like, a different race. And we're quite lucky in the sense that our accents can pass, are passable in a Western setting. Whereas of certain friends we have where they have accents, they will face even more point. animosity. That is such a good point. Like, I wouldn't think 100%. of that I mean, the countless of times I've heard, oh, you don't sound black. So how, please explain to me, how do black people sound? You just tell me. I don't get it. And, is, and people say that for you to find yeah. it as a compliment. I mean, I will be speaking perfect English to someone and they will ask me, like, is English your first language? Is English your no, first this, language? Oh, uh, no, no, no. This has just reminded me of something that, so I think, I can't remember where I was or whatever. I remember just saying, oh, yeah, you know, I'm from Tanzania. And then someone was like, mm-hmm. oh, do you, like, click when you talk? Like, you know, in Southern African mm-hmm. cultures, I think they, like, they have the clicking sound in part, as part of their language. And I'm just like, you know, that's, that's, it's not everywhere, you know, that's, it's not how we communicate. Some people communicate like that. And it's just, I don't want to do it, but people did actually, like, imitate the sound. Like, it wasn't that, oh, do you, like, talk with, like, clicks? They imitated it, like, in a joking way. In the kind of way where people go, ching, bang, I speak Chinese. Yeah, that's like, yeah. Oh, my God, it happens to, it happens to me with the nodding. It comes back to the thing that we said, like, there, there's a limit. There's a reason why you start these jokes, right? You need to create this space safe, like, space safe, safe space 
with someone to be able to do that. You can't just come at them with that. You don't know the number of times I've met people for the first time and they've just shook like their head this way and you're like, how are we doing it, right? That's not okay. That shouldn't be how you, that's not your, you don't want that as your first impression. Stereotypes do come from somewhere, but like, that's not the first thing you have to throw at them. Yeah, we don't stereotype white people. We don't say, oh, have you been to the pub tonight, mate? The thing is like, we can't even stoop to that level because then you just become hypocrites. You're like, you know, you can't even say these things. Even though it's like, you should feel, you should know how you're making other people feel. I don't think it's ever, at least for me, it's never, like, it's not a thought. Like, it doesn't even come into my mind to say, like, and I don't understand how someone would just really sit there and think, like, in their brains, yeah, okay, I'm going to do this, this is If you're not, even if you're not directly taught this, I feel like our experiences teach us more than they are being treated. Like, even if your parents didn't look at you in the face and be like, don't be racist. Like, you know, I never had a conversation about race with my parents ever. Like, you know, we were watching the show Blackish, right? So me and my dad, we've been here for like three months, right? And we were literally watch- watching that. And just the fact that they would have that conversation with their kids made me kind of realize, like, I never got this talk. But just small things about educating your kid, maybe. And I'm not blaming my parents but I'm just saying like we grew up in a very different place that's why we don't have solid movements as the black movements because we don't we just want to put our head down and take it I feel like with the whole black movement it's just it's just been years on years on years of just injustice at least with you know what recently happened with George Floyd like people were just like this is enough this is, it's it's just not okay. We've been saying these things, been screaming, we've been shouting. And now in this 2020, that's when all of you are just like, okay, let's listen. Let's, what, what are your issues? But we've been telling you what our issues are having now in 2020. For me, it's just, it's very, I was talking to a friend about this today, actually. Like I was just saying, it's a very, it's a very bittersweet, situation where it's like it's good that people are learning educating themselves people are more aware because right now honestly if you went out and talked about you know black lives matter if you talked about george floyd if you don't know about it people are just going to look at you as if like where have you been why like why are you so ignorant about such situations so it's good that people are being educated people are educating themselves which i think is super necessary by the way but it's sad that it took this long for it to happen. Yeah, but the thing is, like, this has happened. This has happened so many times. People have just not been ready to accept it. It has. It has because it's a very uncomfortable conversation. It's so uncomfortable because to talk about white privilege, at least from a white person's perspective, you have to now be comfortable or acknowledge the fact that you know you're not as innocent as you thought and then white guilt comes white guilt because here's the issue that so many okay fine if you are white you haven't been racist to somebody okay you haven't said anything racist to anybody but you in yourself not acknowledging that you have a privilege is also a privilege that's the thing right because like like Jeanette said, we've been having these conversations. We've been seeing our friends go through it. We've been seeing us go through it, you know. 
like some things your parents go through like it's very very common to us and now it's become a time where it's like we need to educate people of another race and it's like it's draining because it's like i mean as much as you try to understand you will never understand it in this 2020 there are some people if not even some let me not even say some a lot of people have just now realized that they have that like there's something called white privilege i also know for a fact i can't speak to a lot of my not not my close white friends but like a little bit like you know like in my circle white friends about these things because so many of them are not ready to have this conversation what do you do then you know because there's so many things on social media saying, I will cancel you, I will cut you off if you don't see my point of view. I think social media is that everything that's happening with, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and all these things that are happening with like, you know, cancel culture, they're just being intertwined, I guess, in this situation. Cause it's like, oh, okay, um, you don't know about white privilege, um, then you're racist and we're not talking about you. Bye. And that's why I think um anti the term anti-racist is such a good thing to come in not be racist not be anti-racist so I think someone who maybe isn't racist doesn't make ignorant jokes but doesn't really understand what white privilege is is not racist but they're mm-hmm. not anti-racist yeah. that makes sense yeah no I agree with that that is very and true. you know it's not really their fault because the UK doesn't educate about them but they need to realize that there's a lot of lasting damage for example colorism that was brought about by colonialism. In India, they still call it like the colonial fever, as in like how they still think, you know, the whole colorism thing. The whole of like the movie industry in India, you will not see a dark girl. Yes. I'm bringing it back to earth. You know, people say light skinned is more beautiful. Obviously, we're in a white country. I think my country. first ever experience, like racism or issues, is colorism. Like everyone's heard of the whole team dark skin team light skin thing happening in so it's a big thing in social media it's really sad when you're from a particular race like if you're lighter then it automatically means you're prettier and at, at least for me it's just small things like you know you go to a store i spent my teenage years in switzerland you go to a store you're looking for like foundation and none of them cater to your skin tone like not even close or you ask to be matched and they give you like a shade that's clear this is clearly not my shade it's so it's so sad and it's just now it's just now it's just recently recently that the internet has been more accepting to dark-skinned women like now it's like oh you know melanin melanin popping like you know bad girl magic like darker skin like all these models who before before they wouldn't even dare you know step into a runway or be accepted because they're darker has it ever affected your confidence oh hundred percent hundred percent like from a young age you would not know how like like ever since i was young i feel like the first thing ever my parents ever like taught me was you know being dark is beautiful as well like you're not ugly I remember being at like very young and crying that like I hate that I'm dark. I hate like being like this because you know people don't like me or like you know people are like oh you're so dark or like why don't you like try this like 
cream or like even like it's as simple as not even people at school because this happened to me a lot like in primary but it's like even aunties being like oh you should like you know try this cream or it will help with your skin or like don't don't like have dark braids like do black brown braids so that you know it doesn't show that you're super dark like stuff like that from a young age can you imagine being like six and calling that you know I'm better why my life when I was younger like initially living in India like my parents didn't directly make me feel like that but there was a, a lot of relatives which would just be like ah like hasn't she gone dark she looks very tan like oh you can put this on your face you can fix it there's all these creams go put some of them on and you always hear like one of my cousins she's very dark skinned and people would literally uh like she's much darker than what I am um and you know India is just filled with a lot of different colors like it's a whole place and so people would literally be like oh it's gonna be very hard to get her married off I think people don't realize beauty standards as a person of color, as people of color, they want you to look, have white features. Like in East Asian communities, it's about having big eyes. So my grandma always says to me, oh, you're so beautiful with your big eyes. Even us, when we're in the club and stuff, we don't get as much attention, really. And I always remember once one thing that happened in the club is I was really drunk and I wanted to mess with you, Enid. So I went up to this random guy who was white and I said, my friend likes you. And he perked up. He said, which friend? And I said, the black girl over there. He didn't even look. Didn't even look. I no, Good that you brought that up because I know for a fact, I know for a fact, every black girl or even, you know, woman of color can say this, that, like, they've been in a situation where, you know, you see a guy and you're like, the first thing that comes up in your head, it's like, oh, is he into black girls? You know you know how they say, like, you shouldn't bring race into everything. But when you have faced things or seen things, race is a part of everything. When I'm out with my white friends, I get so much more attention. And I think that's because they actually look at us as a sexual group because I'm with white girls. Whereas when I'm with my friends of colour, they just kind of cast us aside in their mind. This is just something that, like, I mean, you get upset about, but what can you do? And then it's it's another thing. It's another thing. It's like, oh, okay, fine. Then, for example, let's just say, you know, you see a white guy in the club and you're like, wow, is he into black girls? Let's just say, yeah, he is into black girls. He comes up to you, you talk, whatever. You get with each other. And in your head, it's like, oh, wow, did he just do that just to like tick a box? Like, yeah, I've gotten with a black girl. So it can be an interesting mm. story to tell his friends the next morning. Yeah, oh yeah. I remember that time, yeah, I did get with a black girl. <laughs> oh, oh my god, I had a friend in my school, right? I had a friend in my school. He had a PowerPoint presentation with the flags of all the girls, all the nationalities that he had like made out with. It was we went to his house and we sat he sat us down and we watched it. Mm-hmm. And another thing they might do is, oh, don't worry, my ex was black. Or my so is ex that for you to reassure me that, you know, you've had experience with black girls? Mm-hmm. Honestly, the other week, a guy was talking to me. He was telling me about his ex. And he said her name was something Patel. So that's an Indian last name. And then <laughs> two minutes into the conversation, he goes, for some reason, I just feel like I need to tell you that she was Indian. Why? Why did you need no. to tell me that? 
But with the whole thing, sometimes you also feel like people, boys of your own race prefer other girls from who are white. Like, that's it. I said it. It's happened. <laughs> but that's a different situation. Like, it already hurts you in the first place. But this second situation, it's like you can't even be good enough for your own race. Like, excuse me. I'm actually interested to know about, like, how it happens in, you know, Asian communities. Like, you know, Asian men are more interested in are they more interested in white women or i think it's very different for i think both are races knowing the origin of um i Jeanette, explain yours first the, Asian, the east Asian girls are the other way around um girls tend to go for white guys guys tend to tend to go for their own and so it's more of an issue because asian east asian men in media famously it's black women and east asian men who are the most cast aside mm-hmm. and seen as the most unattractive. Mm-hmm. So for us, it's reverse. Whereas I know in the black community, isn't it more men go for white women rather than women yeah. with white men? I had a tutor last year, a Chinese tutor. She was married to a white man. She was telling me all her inner conflicts about that. And also the fact that if her son married a black man, black woman, she couldn't take it. She's Oh yeah, a lot of Asian community. people say that. They're always like, oh no not that dark you know like like it's literally i've heard someone say oh no not that dark i know everyone says looks you know everyone does have a preference when it comes to looks but i feel like looks is mainly features it really isn't that much to do with your shade if we're being completely materialistic i actually this is such a good point i agree with you because it's like it's about and, features you, know, you have a lot of people in england who say oh i look so much better with a tan I mean, it's not okay on us, but it's okay on you. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's a bit mad. I mean, like, do as you like, but like, if you're switching, going four shades darker in your foundation, sis, that's no. But it's it's, it's kind of like I don't know. It hurt me initially when I was younger, because like you said, the foundation thing, right? I used to live in Luxembourg, and there wasn't even in some shops, right? There's more smaller shops. They wouldn't even have my shade. It wasn't even there for me, so I can't even imagine how the other people would feel like because my mom would get hers my mom would get hers from india if that makes sense now it's changed a lot because when we moved back right after like say four years it changed a lot now i could see more colors and stuff i remember seeing this picture on twitter which was like i think it was like a drugstore in america and it was like i think they were selling like maybelline foundations and all the other like you know lighter foundations didn't have a security tag you know the security tag thing and then when it came to like darker tones all of them were tagged these are the things that you might not notice as a white person because they don't need to look at the dark shades and and that's why they would say you know it doesn't exist but it's these little things it's good that you brought that up because as a white person when you're looking at this aisle you're like okay this are my shades Oh, I can just take it. But as a black person, your eyes have now landed on your aisle. You see all of them have been tagged. You look at the other shades, they're not tagged. This is why people saying that it doesn't exist baffles my mind. Because, okay, that says that we're equal, but that doesn't mean that we're equal. I feel like people forget that the battle for equal rights was not long it's, ago. It's just mad with the whole beauty scene because i i don't know if you guys also heard about this i hope i'm saying her name right i think her name is monroe bergadoff something like that um so she is a trans black model yeah and she had if 
I remember her story correctly, she had a contract with Maybelline a few years back. Um, and, you know, Maybelline was looking to diversify their campaign. And they took her as, you know, first, she's trans, she's Black, and, you know, great representation there going on. You know, she took on that job and she started talking about white supremacy a lot. And they canceled her whole entire, the whole entire campaign. They were like, we can't, we can't take you. And we, if you're you know, talking about these issues and these things. And three years later in 2020, Maybelline is now talking about, we stand with Black Lives, all, you know, Black Lives Matter. But it's like, three years ago, you dropped a black person, a trans black person, for talking about issues we're talking about right now. I think the last few years, though, things have things are starting to change so much because of social media, or else these changes would have never been made. It's because brands are scared that people are watching. There them. are too many. I no, I I I think brands, the whole beauty makeup industry, they have a lot of work. To do. Even now, I feel like they still need to pull up their socks. It's not. It's just not throwing out one Black person, one Asian person is not enough. They should use this opportunity to reflect and actually, you know, because it's a big market that you're missing, a big market. You're missing a lot of money from these from these people. Yeah, now, but I think it started off with them targeting the white people rather than people of color because they had more money. I think that to be ripped out of the whole system has just taken a lot of time. This whole colorism thing, its we're talking about it. Some people will listen. Most people won't listen. The document can get harder. It needs to be stripped away. There's so much work to be done. You have to think, colorism was introduced. So that white... Colorism is partly because they wanted to be white, but also because it was introduced by the white people to divide minority groups so that they could stay on top. That's why it's so important now people of color to be unified with the movement i mean i read somewhere where they would separate like lighter skinned uh, slaves from darker skin yeah, because if we're not united we can't fight against them thank you for being on my podcast thank you for it's been a pleasure yeah and thank you everyone for listening follow us on 